Hello everyone and welcome to the Power of Music Thinking. My name is Christoph Zürn and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating. Today in the program, we have Nifemia Luko, founder and CEO of Kpak Pakpa and author of the book Press Play, Music as a Catalyst for Change. Nifemia is a traveler between California and Nigeria, and as he calls, a YouTube-inspired bedroom producer. We talk about his journey from a chemical engineer to an advisor for companies that want to enter the African market. We'll learn about the size and the diversity of Africa, the high energy of women entrepreneurship and the many languages, dialects and communication between people across the continent. And we chat about the different pace in doing business and establishing relationships and how the technique of sampling can bring new styles of music and nurtures the ability to collaborate with people from different places. Hi, Nifemi. Hi, Christoph. Thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, great to have you in the program today. Really looking forward to it. And my first question, what was your first memorable concert or live show that had an impact on you? Uh, I think it was um, in Austin. It was a distant relative um, concert. So that's Nas and Damian Mali. And um, yeah, it was... It just had, I think that album had an impact on me in general um, because of the concept of us, all human beings being from Africa and all, all of us being connected, which was the concept of distant relatives. And oh, then just seeing, awesome. just seeing them in person, you know, Damien Mali is Bob Mali's son. Nas is just a rap legend. Um, so that really had an impact on me in general. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. But that's not so long ago, I thought, right? No, no that uh, it's about 10 years ago. I oh, think, oh right. yeah, yeah. So it was 2010, I think. Um, you know, growing up in Nigeria, like, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of concerts. Yeah. Um, so it was until I moved to the US, then I started going to live shows. And more of that happened when I was in Austin because of all the live music yeah, yeah, in right. Austin. Yeah. But talking about Nigeria, who was this uh, living in Nigeria as a kid, uh, mm -hmm. and you're exposed to a lot of uh, noise, I would say, a lot of different noise, a lot different, of different, yeah, different sounds uh, from environmental sounds. You know, I grew up in Lagos, so yeah. Lagos is um, there's always something going on, whether it's the sounds of sound of traffic, sound of people selling things outside, and um, and. Yeah, you know, we had the concerts, obviously, but I just didn't go to them. So, you know, um, there were live concerts. Um, there was one in particular, um, Lagbaja, who who was a, well, I say like a jazz musician. Um, I did go to that when I was young, but I was almost too too young to really like feel like the impact of what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, cool. But now you're you're based in Oakland, California. And can you tell us a little bit about your background? Okay. Who who are you and what do you do for a living? Yeah. So um background, as I said, I grew up in Nigeria, moved to I moved to the US in 2003. Um, I, I studied chemical engineering in Chicago, Illinois Institute of Technology. Um, after that, I did my master's also in chemical engineering. I moved to Texas. Um, then I worked for uh, engineering corporation, um, Rockwell Automation. I did that for about six years in Austin, Texas. Um, we're optimizing chemical and manufacturing plants around the U.S., um, in Canada, and Europe. So I gained a lot of expertise doing that. Um, and I always wanted to find a way to move back and, you know, apply some of these, all what I've learned over the years in, in Nigeria. Um, so on my, well, I say my journey back home, finding my way back to Nigeria, I decided to go to business school to, to you know, brush up on my management skills because I had all these technical skills. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went to Stanford Graduate um, School of Business um, between yeah. 2014, 2016. And once I, once we were done with that program, I moved back to Nigeria to start my business. And um, over the last six, so that was 2016, so that's five years. So over the last five years, mainly just traveling between Nigeria and um, California, um, spending more of my time in Nigeria, um, about 60% of my time. Um, my business um, called, started, called Pakwakwa Inc. Pa yeah, there you go. It's not so hard. Uh, for some people, the pronunciation is so hard, is hard so we just call it KPA. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a business development agency that helps um, multinational companies that are trying to expand into the African markets. Okay. Um, so I've been doing that for about five years, traveling between the two places, um, between the U.S. and Nigeria, and just helping my clients access markets in some of the priority countries that are in 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 Africa in general. So, you know, 54 countries in Africa, uh -huh. um, and um, we just we focus on some of these priority markets in West Africa, East Africa. Um, not 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 Africa, so Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, um, done projects in Algeria, Egypt. So it's a uh, it's it's been a very interesting, <laughs> let's say, um, journey. Um, and you know, last year the pandemic happened, so things slowed down because global yeah. travel global travel had became limited. Um, corporations started focusing. On their core business, they weren't exploring. They were not exploring into the African market as much. But things are um, swinging back up now, which is very good. So that's general background. Yeah, great. It sounds like a lot of diversity. So if you're a chemical engineer, you went to business school, and you're an entrepreneur now. And I think you also did something with music, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the music, the music. Well, I say started back in Lagos also. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, as a kid, I used to well, play. I played in the choir, just playing the keyboard. Um, played the keyboard till I don't know what age it was, but there was a time I just stopped. 
and start focusing on other things, <laughs> um, sports. Yeah. Just it wasn't just as appealing as it was when I was younger, right? Um, but I always had music in me. Um, so I think it was two thousand and where was that? Two thousand and nine, around that time. So similar to you know the distant relative time in Austin, <laughs> something was happening, right? personally, um, where, you know, a lot of what I was doing was very technical. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of chemical engineering work. So I'm looking at process flows, looking at tank levels, temperatures and pressure. Um, the, the company I was working for was also a software company. So I also had to learn a lot about, you know, actual back co- coding, right? Um, oh, yeah. cool. So... Most of my time was just spent doing a lot of technical stuff, and I found that I just wanted to express myself in a different way, right? And um, so I just started exploring different things, and the one that came back to me was the music, right? So yeah. I saw a musician I really liked in Nigeria. Um, he, I saw him making a a beat, right, on YouTube, and he just seemed like he was having so much fun. Right. Mm. So this um, producer's name is Jesse Jacks. And I just watched that video and I was like, he, the, what he was, he was using to make the music look like the keyboard I had locked up in my apartment. Right. Yeah. So I just remember going back home that day and bringing out that keyboard. And since then, I've just been making music. Um, I would label myself as a YouTube inspired um, bedroom producer basically producing on your laptop using a midi keyboard or um the instrument i use as a native instrument um, machine so mm-hmm. it's a beat pad where most of my music is sample based so i would you know find music go and look for music from the past and try to rearrange it to make something different um and that has just been just a hobby uh, for the longest time but I'm getting to a point now because I've been doing this for quite a while now where I'm starting to see how it connects with other things that I'm doing. Yeah, right, right. And and you wrote a book uh, about that. Yes, yes, yes. I published a book, Press Play, and that was last year, <laughs> just before the pandemic <laughs> shut everything down. Um, it's about uh, music and how it inspires um, social change. Um, it, it spurred... It, Obviously, it's spurred from obviously the music, but the the story is a little bit longer than that. So in 2016, I wanted to make a publish a mixtape, right? Like I usually do on SoundCloud, and mm-hmm. um, I decided to write a short story about this mixtape, um, which took me down the path to write like a full on novel, right? And I was I. I pretty much got stuck in 2019 with how to finish the book. And um, I had a friend that introduced me to a professor that was teaching this writing class. And mm-hmm. when I spoke to the professor, he usually does like a, a consultation before you join the class. And he was, I, apparently after talking to him for 30 minutes, he was like, man, you, you just talked about music the whole time. <laughs> 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 it was like, so why don't you just write about music and how it impacts social change and all that stuff? I was like, oh, okay. Um, I think I 
I asked him like, oh, so what about my novel? And he was like, ah, you know, maybe put that to the side for now. Just go out and talk <laughs> about this thing you're very passionate about. And I just took it as, um, uh, as a point to learn how to publish a book. So I was just like, okay, I'll use this as the opportunity to learn how to publish a book and then come back and finish my novel. So I started that in 2000 and, it 2019, interviewed a bunch of musicians that I like, mainly um, Nigerian musicians, um, Ghanaian musicians, and uh, went through the process and published the book in April 2020. It was a very rewarding experience, which has opened me up to other things now. <laughs> Oh, that, that's interesting yeah. because um, you 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 were you worked from from California and you've been as an engineer all over the the place. You're an entrepreneur and helping people to get into Africa, mm -hmm. and then you actually did the interviews with where your roots uh, are, yeah. Nigeria and Ghana. Yeah. So, what was the effect of this? Because I can understand uh, if you're if you're a company from from let's say the Western world and they get into Africa. I don't know how African people react on companies mm -hmm. coming to Africa and telling them what to do or yeah. how they should do this. So um, th that would be one question. The mm -hmm. other question would be, what's the connection with the music and mm -hmm. how can you, how do you bring this together? Okay. Um, so, you know, for, I think one of the big value that I provide it, um, for companies is being a bridge um, between, you know, the U.S. or Europe and Africa, right? Um, when, while I was writing the book, for instance, I was traveling between the two places. So interviewing people in Nigeria, in Lagos, or getting on, the, on, a, on a call with someone in Ghana to, you know, finish this book while I'll travel back to the U.S. and publish it and all that. What I'll say is, um, you know, a lot of companies that want to enter the African market, right, they, they, they look at it from a very, you know, sometimes opportunistic perspective, right? So the companies that I deal with, which are already multinational corporations, um, before they decide to go to Africa, they have already gone through certain things. They already have an established market in the U.S., um, possibly already established in Europe, right? So I'll say about 80% of their revenue is already from these two, Europe and the US, and they have already started venturing into Asia, right? That is usually the trend I see. So once they have now have like a good footprint in Asia, you know, the Pacific APAC region, then they start, well, I say flirting with the idea of coming to To Africa, right? And um, so a lot of times it starts with this exploratory process, right? And even though it's a big corporation um, based in the US, you know, um, the Africa section is usually under the EMEA region, Europe, mm -hmm. Mid Middle East, and Africa. Yeah. And, and sometimes the African, the person that is in charge of the business in Africa is only just a a team of one or two people so you know even though they're in a big corporation these people end up being very entrepreneurial because they don't mm -hmm. really have resources provided by their corporation to get to their goals so a lot of the work i have to do starting off is to um balance out the expectation because you know 
everybody comes in with a prescribed notion of what should be happening. And when you do get to say you want to enter the Nigerian market or Ghana, you first have to understand the the culture. You have to understand the business culture in terms of how do people communicate, um, what is the pace in doing business, right? Um, I think what I've found is because some of these companies are in the US and Europe, where there are already institutions that are established us a decent amount of trust, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy for your business to be more transactional, right? So I've I've met you once, you know, you seem yep. like a good person. I know you have a social security number. Let's get to business quickly. Be- like relations. Yes. <laughs> in 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 Nigeria, for instance, that isn't a that level of trust is not available, right? So um a lot of relationship building is what happens in the first place, right? So, you know, an established company um, that is trying to enter the market that could be a manufacturer that is looking for a distributor in Nigeria, um, they want to partner with a distributor that's credible, right? Mm -hmm. And that credible distributor knows they have been in the market, they know how to reach the networks that are needed to get their goods to the customers. Um, They've built built a presence for themselves. They are also gauging who are the good manufacturers, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> a lot of times, the like first three months is just people gauging who am I going to be working with. So a lot of and that- how do you help them in 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 this in this phase of getting to intro to getting introduced, getting into contact, mm-hmm. and also how does music play a role in this? Yeah, yeah. You, talk, you talked about culture, so mm-hmm. people from all over the world have different cultures and might have different types of music or or different exactly. things that that are in music. So, is there something very concrete that you say, "Oh, that's the way I approach this"? Mm-hmm. And does music play a role in that? Yeah, I think music plays a big role, at least for me, in my experience. Um, between, because I'm, I end up working with people with so different backgrounds, right? Um, I I'm usually like the a buffer, right, between this culture and that culture. And what has helped me is, um, I'll say, with music, I or my love for music has helped me develop a certain level of empathy for different type of people, right? Um, I'm very open because if you if you even look at how I make music, I have to, I try to sample things from different places so I can decide to, oh, I want to listen to music from Pakistan so that I can sample some drums or, and just listening to, you know, some of the voices or, uh, how how the music is being made, all of a sudden I'm exposed to this culture, not fully, but at least exposed more, more than someone that hasn't listened in the first place. And um, I would say what, what I've experienced in terms of the empathy is it en- enables me to be able to collaborate with uh, people from different places, right? So um, I think... Music in general, whenever I'm making music with other people, um, 
that sense of collaboration, right, that just comes around from, hey, we don't know what is going to come out of this, but let's just get together and jam, and something eventually happens, that gives me a lot of confidence when, you know, I am on a project and a manufacturer says, hey, go, let's go find some distributors in Nigeria. Yeah, okay, there's a chance we might not find the right exact people off the bat, but I do have that confidence that if we collaborate and we start talking and we develop this relationship, something fruitful in a commercial perspective will come out of this. So I think music does play a good part, at least for me, in terms of the collaboration aspect. Yeah, that's also the the listening part and empathy, trying to understand what you hear. Exactly. And uh, and, and and you you just mentioned Oak okay, jamming, mm -hmm. um, but but does a, a business meeting for you also um, feels like a jam, or is the, is this something different, or, <laughs> or do you, you don't think at all at it? You say, I think I think it's definitely a jam, right? So, uh, you know, so. After like five years of doing this, you know, the, the more I do it, I'm always trying to refine. So what what's the real value I'm bringing to, to people, right? And, you know, initially I set the bridge, but it really boils down to communication, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to speak to um, someone in the U.S. That, is, that has been through the U.S. schooling system, that knows only about the U.S., sometimes only about the states that they live in, right? And and having that tunnel vision of, we just need to grow the business and show X percent by the end of two, three years, right? And them communicating that to me and me be, being able to understand, okay, this is what is important to you. And then on the flip side, going to a distributor in Nigeria that has completely different um um, goals and perspectives um, <laughs> and trying to find a way to you know break down this person's priority with the other person's priority to find a way for them to merge right and are you always in between or do you bring them together so this would also be interesting just mm -hmm. to what you just mentioned people that only or only that have uh, uh, experience from from one country or mm -hmm. one state mm -hmm. and they think this uh, the world is big so we just have to make everything bigger uh, <laughs> in, in what you think and you you bring this together with with someone that has a totally different uh, mm -hmm. way of thinking and do you bring them together and 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 how how would this work or are you just a buffer in between yeah yeah so usually the way some of my projects a lot of my projects work. The first thing is uh, we have to understand the market that the um, my clients are trying to get into, right? Let's not even try to have any conversations yet. Let's spend two months just understanding the market. And then before, once you understand that, then you can approach the potential partners because the, the partners are also gauging how much you know. Do Are you just the typical... Um, international company that just says, oh, it's a big market, get us in? Or are yeah. you the person that has actually done your homework and you can kind of talk to them on that level? So that is the first step to bringing them closer is let's first get some market research that puts us on the same level in terms of talking. And then the second aspect is actually organizing the meetings. So organizing the time, 
where everybody meets up and everybody has a different perspective on how to look at time, right? So um, I'm sure you know this um, in, in Europe, especially Germany, um, Netherlands, everybody is being punctual is a big thing, right? Okay. In Nigeria, you know, people will say, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. meet around 1 p.m., you know, <laughs> which is for someone that's coming in for the first time, that's very strange. What does around 1 p.m. mean? Yeah. So I have to be the person that's like, well, let's get there at 1. It might not start at 1. You know, we usually, this is normal, you know. <laughs> Give us 30 minutes, you know. Don't don't get too stressed about it because if, if it was just the two of them, that yeah. could already cause a lot of friction. I got uh-huh. here at 1 you said one and and then the other person is like why are you why are you so tight why are you so stressed right so uh, i i have to be someone that's kind of bringing these two people together and then when i do finally bring them together and, and you know we have a good conversation um initially usually my job used to be done i've done my part i've connected the two i'm out of it but then i started fi- finding that they still always brought me back in right in terms of helping to keep the conversation going right so this is why i I said over time i started realizing that the value too is the communication aspect helping to bridge the two cultural gaps basically and um and i think you know back to the question about how important is music to this approach i think um it's just dealing with the different almost like different instruments and bringing it together in something that could actually sound musical right (laughs) (laughs) but in a business perspective i don't know if that makes sense but but do you use music in 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 these sessions or is it just more the your motivation and and maybe you see patterns that you might recall from music or do you use it in any way or do you even sometimes ask them what kind of music they like um definitely so i don't use it in from a very okay let's use music for this session i think once i start the first point of connection sometimes is me asking hey what what type of music do you listen to Mm. and then building some type of connection from that because i found even as i one of the big things in my book was i'm still looking for someone that says they don't like music I, i don't think i've met anybody that says they don't like music so when someone says um Eh, maybe I don't listen to that type of music, but they do have a genre of music they listen to. And, you know, out based on my curiosity, I, I might go listen to it in case I, if I haven't listened to it in the first place. And just to kind of get a sense of what does this person like. And so it yeah. does build some kind of connection. Um, but I think the music for me is more from a personal um entrepreneurial building this kind of mindset that endears like curiosity to, to ask questions, um, building empathy with people. And also I think the main one that I think has really, um, been and had an impact on me, especially in my business is the love of the process. Mm, Um, uh, I think over the 
years of making music, I've started to realize that the love of the process is what I'm more interested in than the actual outcome. So because I, over time, I've developed this sense of, you know, just start. Whatever comes out, comes out of this. It has given me a lot of confidence to go into uncertain situations, knowing that eh, we'll see what comes out of this, right? And I think that has really helped me just being an entrepreneur. You know, you deal with a lot of uncertainty. Um, but as long as I know that I'm optimizing for growing, optimizing mm -hmm. for learning something new and applying what I learned into new situations, um, I know the outcome would be good. And that, and that, is, that is mainly, I'll say, a lot of that is from me making music. Okay. So because I'm thinking sometimes I, I ask clients from how do you listen to your business? Mm. And how do you listen to your employee? Mm -hmm. How do you listen to your your client or your your consumer? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I ask them what type of music you are listening to. And this helps me sometimes to categorize or maybe better to understand how they think. And uh, in in your book, for example, uh, you you also make uh, examples from uh, how. Um, how music can help to build teams mm -hmm. to make them more remote, flexible, distributed. Mm -hmm. And I would be interested if these the things that you describe in your book that you find them back in your work in your daily work when you, when you br uh, bring uh, people to, together from two different continents. Uh -huh. And do you have an example or a memorable moment where 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 this came up? Um. I don't have one particular one. I just think in general, um, in general, it's just the, the, the idea of being comfortable with approaching different people from different cultures. I think that's just what it is. Um, I, my business is at this point, our, my team is still very flexible in terms of, you know, um, we build teams based on the project need. So I'll have people from Nigeria, Ghana, um, in the US. I've, I've had people in Bangladesh, right? And mm -hmm. it is all being able to connect with them from a very human perspective, right? Knowing that what drives this person is very, on a high level, yes, it's all us, we're all trying to maybe generate income, right? That, that's the high level. But there's always something deeper than that, where, you know, whether they're trying to take care of their family, whether they're trying to achieve certain goals, and whether yeah. they're trying to um, build for themselves. And I would say over years listening to music, a lot of that is um, what some of the musicians I listen to talk about, right? There are certain things in the music that um, just connects us to what it is to be human, spreading love, um, having good vibes, you know? <laughs> and um, and so, so when I do approach projects, I'm, I'm always trying to come from that perspective of, let me understand what drives this person, even beyond 
okay, yes, we, we, we want to make money, right? Um, but if I know some more, why, what do you want to use that money for? Then it's easier for us to get on the same page in terms of how we can motivate one another and how to collaborate. And so those are, no, there's no concrete example that really stands out to me, but I just think just from a day-to-day perspective and project-to-project perspective is something that I tap into in terms of how to collaborate and keep me and my team motivated. When you bring together these different cultures, you just named Nigeria and Ghana, and let's face it, from an, from an external point of view, Nigeria and Ghana looks the, the same. <laughs> so like from an African point of view, maybe Germany and, and Netherlands looks is the mm -hmm, same. Mm -hmm. And we all know that there the, no. maybe the biggest yeah. difference are from, from close neighbors. <laughs> So, so um, when you when you work with these uh, teams, um, uh, do, do now in the pandemic, how, how does this work? Are these Zoom teams with ten people, and everybody's trying to, with all these different cultures, try to use this different, or is it more a one-on-one -on -one business or one-on? It's two? A, yeah. let's say more solo, a duo, or a trio. Yeah, it's more. Um, duo trio kind of um, teams and as I said I'm, I'm usually the buffer so um, sometimes the team the Nigerian and the Ghanaian team would come together depending on if I have something that has to go across teams um, most times it's just me talking to the team in one country versus the other right and I think my style of communication in general is more of a direct one-on-one, -on -one, um, let's keep things small so that everything yeah. is clear for now. And obviously, I'm hoping as my business grows bigger, it has to, how do I scale that type of communication? Um, but what I found effective um, is more direct communication um, because a lot of stuff, a lot of things get lost in, in translation, you know, you can find yeah. yourself, you know, you have sent 10 emails and nothing has happened because <laughs> there's no real directive, just people sending emails, um, which can be resolved in a 10 minute conversation. Um, so I found or I'm finding that uh, the teams that I bu I'm building that are effective is just um, finding a communication channel that works for the team you're working with, right? Um, and I think the biggest challenge right now is time zone. Um, okay. People being in different time zones, right? So if, if my client is in South Africa or Europe and I'm here in the US, especially during the pandemic, and mm -hmm. my team is in Nigeria or somewhere else in Europe or... I have to be the one doing the job of balancing, okay, a response has to come by tonight if we want to catch this person tomorrow morning to give us a response so that we can move this thing forward. Um, so um, I think the main challenge is just pe people being in different places. Um, but, you know, for me, the challenge is also where the, the opportunity lies. So... It's now trying to find ways to communicate effectively and bring in these teams. Some of, a lot of these things were 
things I was doing before the pandemic, right? And it was less, will I say less, I don't know if I'll say acceptable, but it's it, it made me, it seemed less legitimate, I'll say, when I'm telling a client, oh, I'm working from home and my team is remote and people are like, oh, you don't have an office or <laughs> but now everybody, everybody is working from home. So the pandemic actually made things faster in terms of people accepting this new way of working. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out over the next like five, 10 years on, you know, work, hybrid working, people working from home and people being comfortable working remotely. And yeah. the communication aspect is just going to be a tool or a skill that people have to develop. And I definitely think, you know, making music, listening to music is a good way to, you know, refine that skill. Yeah, it, it's also all about trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, also about trust. So you're at home. Are you working? Exactly. Uh, are you really working? <laughs> Some people have the, the idea that they're working much more when when they're at home and they would love to go to the back to the office to, mm-hmm. to just have a jet and not be very efficient every day. To exactly, have two the meetings show. from mm-hmm. one one hour to the to to, to the next hour <laughs> and chat with the, with their coworkers and just you know, uh, yeah, I think people are actually working way more at home these days. Okay. So th- this also means that the the whole listening thing, um, or the the whole connection, uh, has um, yeah also to do with the sound quality. Mm-hmm. How the, the quality of how you can how you're able to listen. That's sometimes hard when you're in the same room, mm-hmm. but when you have different people in different time zone time zones in different continents, and um, you try to understand first you try to hear each other, mm-hmm. and then you also try to understand each other. So yes. that's. That's a, a, a big, a big challenge to really to really trust each other, mm-hmm. and because this could could also be if the connection is not good. Yeah, that's but the person. <laughs> but the person is talking good. What does this mean for the trust? If I try to speak to you, and you you might have a bad connection, or the other way around, exactly. and you just hear a part of it. Mm-hmm. So, would you have less trust? Because just of the tech, the, the technology. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, th- that's an interesting question, and I've definitely seen this play out. I, I I was on a call last week where, you know, we were like f- already five on the call and everything was going well, and then the the sixth person joined, and that person was having connection issues, and I can tell you the whole vibe of the call changed for almost 15 minutes <laughs> and all of a sudden like this conversation we we're having that was you know going well and then once this person joined everything changed and even the you could just tell like the the um what we were talking about the tone the tone of how yeah. questions were being asked was now even more direct and more um less friendly <laughs> <laughs> just just for because someone joined and they were having issues for two minutes um so yeah it's very interesting and obviously that that's where you see some of these technology companies then trying to solve for some of these things um but i think regardless you know even though we're doing more remote i think we're still um 
social creatures that w- want the face to face. I think face to face is still very important, um, and and that's why a lot of the the workouts um, I have been doing, regardless of you know you have a conversation, people still want to fly from um, Frankfurt to Lagos to meet with their prospective partner, even if it's just for three days. Sometimes the, the meeting lasts for 30 minutes, but they, yeah. they, the amount of trust that can be built within those 30 minutes by going to their office, by how they're being treated, how, how body language um, is very important for people. And I think regardless of if we're doing a lot of things virtually, um, there has to be a way that is augmented from a trust perspective with the, you know, face-to-face. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting question because when, let's say, the pandemic is over, and that's a question by itself, mm-hmm. if it goes over and how it would go over and how the <laughs> one would come. So, But let's say when this phase is more or less at an end, um, will we go back to what we had so that people say let's go back to normal Mm -hmm. and where i would say from the climate perspective or from the money perspective from the time efficiency uh, Mm -hmm. perspective my question would be if this was normal uh, exactly you would like (laughs) to go back to normal so that's uh, that's an interesting question for me but what do you think are the most people rather flying from uh let's say, California mm-hmm. to Africa, mm-hmm. or is it also an idea to to have trust to fly from Africa to Nigeria? Or mm-hmm. do you think there is a, a role in um, trying to, yeah, to, 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 to make better connections with what, what we do? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we might never spoke to each other if then this pandemic didn't make it the new normal that exactly. I sent you an email or you sent me an email. We say, hey, let's chat. We're, we're two guys that can connect and exactly. be, be possible to connect. Yeah. So what do you think? How, I, where, where does this go? I think I think it's going to be a combination of the two. Um, a lot of businesses have seen how you know inefficient some of these, um, what we're doing was before, right? I can tell you for a fact in Nigeria um, or in Lagos, one thing I'll tell my clients is we can, let's focus on one meeting a day, just one meeting a day because of traffic, um, because of depending on the distance between the two um, companies. So one meeting a day, if you have five um, people you want to meet, you have to stay the whole week, right? If Now, with knowing that we have become more comfortable with this, we can have five of those meetings in one day, at least the first one. And that can help you even um, weed out the people you want to talk to so that maybe you really just want to speak to two of those five people. And then when you do travel into the country, you can spend more quality time with those two um, people that you have um, vetted. I think the... um, direction hopefully that we go to is where we're using the two um hand in hand um because there are just certain things that we can't um that we haven't really figured out to do um virtually like i'm glad we can do have these conversations easily now but i don't know if you've tried but i've tried have you tried doing a 
making music with someone online? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, was it how did that go? Because um, I did not have any. I haven't been successful doing that yet. <laughs> that, that, that's a that, that's a pretty good question because I think um, when we take hearing and listening ser serious, mm -hmm. then it's also about preparation. So mm -hmm. th th that's okay. also for me the link to music. So no musician gets on stage and he he has not rehearsed or played exactly. his, his instrument well, and 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 that's for me a big analogy to that. And that's more in the beginning of the pandemic that some people tried to make a conversation like they did in in the normal room. Their real life, they, uh -huh. they didn't take care of their microphone, their Wi-Fi, <laughs> maybe the family, what else? So I think, hey. Um, how professional are you? Yeah. Are you People were on... getting naked on, on Zoom calls. I don't know if you remember that when we, things started. But that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is, what shall I do to make it outstanding so that we don't have a conversation about our technical thing. So like the meetings start with, hello, can you hear me? Yep. You're on mute. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, he looks like a fish in an aquarium. <laughs> oh, but you don't say this. And look, the question um, is from, if you take it serious, then you buy the right gear. So I'm, to give you an answer, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I bought a little, what is it, a pre-amplifier, you know, okay. it costs 100 bucks. Uh -huh. And you have a professional microphone and you put it somewhere on the table. And then the latency, because that, uh, that's, that's the main thing, the latency. Yep. The, the latency is the problem because I say something and a little later okay. it mm -hmm. arrives at you and then you say something. And if everybody is using um, um, like a, a preamp and, and a microphone, that's an investment of, I don't know, $200, uh -huh. $250, then you can, even with Zoom, you can uh, work together. I did an, uh, a workshop where the three of us mm -hmm. uh, were yeah in three different countries mm -hmm. and and then we also made music and it worked in, and it in, was seamless enough it was not seamless but the, but that's also the hearing you, yeah. you get a new you, you, you get a new um uh, limitation mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if um we might have a, a bad connection i might talk not as quick but rather slow. So if you make music and you want to, to play, uh, let's say, like quick classical music, this will not work because the latency will be a problem. But if you play something and someone else is playing something too, it's, it's, pr it's pretty good to be done. And there are new platforms like, uh, I think, Jazz, Kazam, something like this. There are different platforms that when you work there then they also try to reduce the latency so it's mm. it's a time it's a time constraint it's mm -hmm. just when does your message arrive yeah exactly <laughs> when, when you send it out so it's like real people uh, it's maybe a little bit like you're in a, in a meeting with 25 people without a microphone and the people closer to you you can understand better than the people further away okay so, yeah yeah so and 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 it's also the interesting thing is oh if this is a problem how can we play with a problem exactly this also a musical thing yeah yeah that that is the i guess also, what I'm getting from what you're saying is the, okay, now this is a constraint, but how do we make it work with this constraint, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. 
Um, but, do, but do you find yourself that you still want to jam in person, though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, I see it the other way around. So, like, for me, Zoom mm -hmm. is an instrument. Mm -hmm. Yes. If, if I treat it as just something in between you and me, then it's hard to communicate. But I say, oh, besides my instrument of speaking, or maybe I'm, if you would play uh, real musical instruments, um, besides mastering them, we now have to master the, te the technology, technology yep. that on one part is between us, but on the other part, that's our connector. Mm -hmm. And if we see this as an instrument, wow, then, then, then we all grow with it. And, exactly. Uh, And I th see since one year, a lot of people are getting much more professional. For sure. They're, they're trained. Yeah. And I think if there, there will be a time where, where now companies are calling people back to the office after the pandemic, and it's just to have more control over them. Mm -hmm. They need the work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also the trust part. It's do you trust, trust the, yeah. Do you trust yeah, the employees? <laughs> right. And do you trust what they deliver to you? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to have control how they deliver Delivered. this to you? Yeah. And that's for me an interesting, very interesting question. Mm -hmm. And that's for me also the link with the music, because some music um needs more time to prepare and to do for example if you have an orchestra piece yeah. someone has to do the work of making the score and some other have to to play to to rehearse very hard mm -hmm. to bring the score to bring to it life. Out. Yep. and in improvisation for example then everybody is performing mm -hmm. already in live so the question would be aha where where is this different in the way how we work together and uh, yeah and and where does this bring us and is it possible to play more than one kind of music mm -hmm. yeah. so a different kind than we played before and this doesn't necessarily mean that the music we played before was bad but it's just different it's different and, exactly and the world and the world is bigger it's mm -hmm. like uh, the world is bigger than one U.S. state, and, <laughs> and, and by the way, that, that's something w w that triggers me. We talk about Africa like we would talk about a country like Belgium, uh, but like the states, difference in size <laughs> and culture and and uh, and languages. I don't know how many languages are in Africa. I actually don't know. Um, I know in Nigeria there was a point where it's like up to like 400 or plus yeah. like in Nigeria. Right. And then when I'm seeing languages is, you know, dialects and different. Um, so, for instance, um, my, my tribe is Yoruba, so I can speak Yoruba. Right. Um, but my dad's um, dialect. Right. Which is um, he, he speaks Ijesha. Right. The dialect is different. Like I, I don't completely understand when he's talking to his friends that speak that language. I don't understand what they're saying. To, uh -huh. I have to really like sit down and listen and, you know, get some words. The same thing with my mom's dialect, right? But we have like a, almost like, when I say a baseline Yoruba language, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that's just one, right? Language with several dialects. So now, then now look at all the different main languages across the continent. And then you're left with, yeah, I think... I don't want to misquote, but over 54 countries, it could be close to a thousand or maybe more. So the diversity is a big thing, which, you know, as you said, the, the mainstream or Western, westernized media likes to look at everything as one like buckets, 
on, yeah. oh, Africa, this is what is happening. And unfortunately, sometimes even the narrative is very focused on just the negative, right? Mm, oh, there's, yeah. there's a terror, terrorism, the poverty, um, what else? The um, crime, um, the corruption. And I'm not here saying that that doesn't happen. It does. But there also needs to be the balance and the narrative where, you no, know, there are a lot of, even with all these challenges, there's a very high energy of entrepreneurship. There's a high level of creativity. The mm. youth seem um, are looking for empowerment. They're trying to change things. Um, there are um, more um, women entrepreneurs and even uplifting more women that are actually the ones that do a lot of entrepreneurship, right? So sometimes the the unfortunate thing is where the narrative is so bad, right, that some of my clients say things like, oh, I can, I can, I can go to Nairobi, but my company doesn't allow me to go to Lagos. Why? Mm. Because there's like some list that has been created somewhere that don't go to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, it's and that's where again the value comes in in trying to break things down like okay this is what is happening here the the um the terrorism that you're seeing on cnn is happening around here the place you are coming to is here very is almost like being in not two different countries but if you look at the size of the continent it's almost like if you compare it to europe it's like being in two different countries Right. Yeah. So um, I think there's a map out there that shows that you, you can fit the U.S., China, Europe and yeah. all in Africa. You can yeah. fit it all in even one. Canada. Yeah, 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 all in all in right. just to give you a sense of the size. And I think over years we've kind of diminished the size because we've created this one story, one singular story about the continent. And hopefully those are things that we're um, trying to change with the music, with business and everything. And that's yeah. stuff that I, I'm really passionate about. Because music from, from Africa, and then we can take the whole continent, is so diverse. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are so mm-hmm. many great things coming from Africa. So that this is also a message to to listen to something else than that you used to be. And maybe yeah. just before connecting with Africa, even that's easy to to fire up Spotify or what else mm-hmm. you're using. You just try to listen in yeah. before you talk uh, talk to the people. That, that is But, actually an interesting concept and I think it's something I, I could start applying right away, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so first, first before every meeting, you just listen to yeah, one song. So Felakuti before we start any before we do any um, introductions yeah. yeah absolutely and and then and, and maybe i have a suggestion for you from mm-hmm. fella yeah, yeah. don't don't take my kindness as weakness exactly you know, yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorites from fella because that's really interesting Ah, oh, kindness weakness how could people see kindness as weakness or how could weakness be yeah kindness? that's interesting yeah, yeah. so Africa has a lot to offer and you are more, I would say, more than a buffer uh, between, but more a, co- a connector or, or a facilitator. So how, how can people reach out to you if they now think, hey, maybe that's interesting to talk to mm-hmm. Nifemi? How can, they, how can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first, the main place that I'm active on is um, LinkedIn. Um, so just type in my name, Nifemi Aluko, you should... Um, see me out there 
Um, I will put it in the show notes. notes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, also with my business, um, it's um, actually very easy to spell if you um, want to find us online. So it's just kpa, kpa, kpa kpa.com. So it's kpa three times um, dot com. And uh, just to give some context on what that word means, it just means doing things quick. Connect. So, and the reason I chose it is more of connecting people with information, connecting people together quickly or quicker than it ah. was done before. Um, so, um, you can go to the website, you can see what we've done for other companies, and then you can also just contact us through there. Um, and then we also we're also on um, LinkedIn also with the company page yeah. um, and. Those, I'll say those are the main ways to, to contact us. Thank you very much for sharing all your, your insights Thanks. and uh, really nice talking to you. Same here. And Thank you very much for having me on, my sh- on, on your show. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate this because listening is one of the top leadership skills and I feel honored about this. It is my mission to find, create, and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog, and you can download the Music Thinking Framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email podcast at musicthinking.com.